What's up, everyone? Uh, today's episode is going to be a little different. So um, this is our last episode of the year, and we thought we'd save it for something that's very, very important, uh, which is the ongoing conflict that's going on right now in Palestine. Um, for those of you who are made unaware, uh, this is your chance to be made aware. Uh, before we get into it, we just wanted to kind of express our thoughts as to why we may not have spoken up about it first. For me personally, and I can't speak for on the behalf of Julie and Brandon, I felt as though I was a little fearful that because I wasn't completely educated on the subject, I felt as though it wouldn't be maybe disrespectful or it would do a disservice to the Palestinian people because I wasn't somebody who was made aware. But recently, um, my perspective changed and um, I felt as though I was being ignorant for believing that because I don't think you have to be somebody who's a political scientist, a professor, a profound researcher in the subject to care about civilians and their struggles and the innocents that are being killed on the other side of the world. Um, and I just wanted to offer my sincerest apology that I couldn't get this out sooner, but you know, better late than never. Um, Brandon. Um, yeah, I mean, I, just to reiterate what Steve said, I feel I more or less felt the same way of, um, you know, needing to be a lot more educated on the subject. I mean, we talked a lot about having an expert of some kind or an educator on the show. And I think, you know, the longer it went on, it became very apparent that we were kind of pushing off this subject. And I think for me personally, it started to become a bit, uh, it started to feel a bit hypocritical of us because um, on this show, we talk a lot about very serious topics that I think uh, intersect a lot with what's going on in Palestine right now. And I feel like for us to kind of be silent about uh, what's going on over there kind of invalidated a lot of our messages. So um, in that perspective, I felt like this was something we couldn't push off any longer and we needed to talk about especially if we were sincere in our uh, concern and care for the, th the things we usually talk about. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to reiterate what Steve said in that. Um, for us, yeah, this is better late than ever. We apologize for kind of not getting on this sooner. Um, it is something we care about, and that's why we kind of wanted to bring this up as soon as possible. Um, I don't know if Julie, you want to say anything? Um, I feel like for me... I just went off mostly what social media was saying. And I feel like in the beginning, there was this sort of thing that I wanted to talk about it. But I feel like I was more in, in that thing of like, I was kind of angry. And I think for the most part, I think I would have talked more in anger than like knowing anything. Because I don't know anything. And I'm be honest. And like, I don't really know like the history. I didn't know anything about like how everything kind of came to be. And so when I kind of just saw, because I mostly just knew everything through my friends and like what they would repost and stuff. And so for me, it just made me like mad. And, and at the same time, I was kind of like, I didn't know if I was like supporting the wrong or the right side or whatever that was. And so even then, like, I didn't fully know what was going on. So for me, it was just personally for me, it was just more, I just didn't know anything at all. And I feel like if I would have talked about it early on, I think I would have just more talked about me being more mad about the situation and not knowing like the background of everything um, and more just speaking out of like anger and stuff. Um, but I think that was for me. And, and I think now like I've learned a little bit more, like just doing a couple more research. And I think that just shows, I guess, as the average person, 
that like you can just google go on youtube there's a there's a whole bunch of like i think a lot of the videos have been made for like years now there's a, a whole bunch of documentaries um just to learn the history i feel like the biggest thing to just help with what's currently happening is just be aware um just be open again i think we've talked about it here a lot too of always having an open mind whether whatever that side is whatever you feel is right or wrong whatever that is to you i feel like in the end i think you should try to have an awareness and just be open to kind of just talking about it um yes. but i think that's where i'm kind of like at with that yeah so that's just to say that uh today's episode is going to be very different we're going to spend the entirety of it talking completely about the events that are unfolding right now in palestine starting from the very beginning um so this is a very big opportunity for anybody out there. You guys can be in the same boat as us who didn't know a lot, uh, but we dedicated ourselves to the past uh, couple of weeks trying to research and trying to really uh, get down and be able to somehow give this information out to everybody out there who watches us. Um, of course, these are going to be a bit, a bit oversimplified, um, but that's just a human error in and it's in and of itself, but it doesn't discredit anything that we're going to repeat to you guys. Um, before I get into that and I run down the timeline of events, uh, I have a little spiel just for everybody else who, again, felt like uh, they could have maybe have learned a little bit more about Palestine. Um, I wrote this down, so I'm going to go ahead and read it for everybody. Um, the reason people don't support Palestine is because a lot of people feel as though they either don't know enough, aren't experts, or don't want to seem controversial. But the truth is, if you don't need you don't need to be some political scientist, educator, professor to stand up against the dehumanization and brutalization of innocent civilians, especially when a majority of whom are children. Yes, it's important to educate yourself. But once you do, you'll see the conflict is a lot more simple than you may have thought it was. I can openly admit that that was my error for sure. People who won't support something that they're not educated in. So even though it may seem hopeless, I hope that everybody is aware that spreading awareness of the atrocities being done of the people of Palestine is the greatest tool that we can have right now for helping humanity get behind these people who are very much in need. Um, and that's what I'll, I'll leave off uh, with our beginning, our intro on. And I'm going to go ahead and get into uh, an, a quick summary of the events of, that have unfolded. And feel free, you guys, to jump in uh, if you guys feel like anything needs to be added. Um, so this all started near the beginning of the 1900s. In the 1947, uh, British ruled Palestine and created a proposal to split what we now know as Israel into two states, the Jewish state being Israel and the Arab, the Arab state being Palestine. Um, and then the only neutral zone was said to be Jerusalem, which is going to be under international zone. Uh, Jews accepted this plan and declared independence in 1947, However, many of the Arabs saw this as more British colonialism, thus starting the Arab-Israeli War from 1948 to 1949. In the end, uh, the new state of Israel won, and the war left Palestinians with even less land than what was given in the proposal. Uh, Palestinians were left to either flee their land to neighboring countries or into these designated knowns, which are now known as the West Bank and Gaza. I'm sure you guys have heard those names before. Um, West Bank at that time was governed by Jordan because of its, it was right next to that country, and Gaza was governed by Egypt. And in 1967, uh, the neighboring countries of Jordan and Egypt declared a war on Israel, which was now dubbed the Six-Day War. 
This transformed the conflict by a lot because uh, after the war, Israel declared victory and had seized control from both Jordan and Egypt, now having full governing power over the Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank. Uh, this led to many Israeli settlements within the West Bank and Gaza. Um, and as you can probably imagine, if you're a Palestinian, um, this would be very uh, troublesome because not only are you being stripped of your land, many upon hundreds of thousands of people were being displaced and put into uh, different camps, different settlements than they have lived their entire life and their ancestors had lived in for generations. Um and between the years of 1987 to 1993, the first Intifada Arab for uprising began, uh, which started as boycotts and protests from Palestinians, which soon turned violent, which Israel re uh, responded with heavy force. Uh, in that event, between the 1987-1993, over a thousand Palestinians died and a couple hundred of Israelis died. But around that same time, the birth of a group many probably have heard of, uh, called Hamas was born, which is known as an extremist group dedicated to the destruction of uh, Israel. Uh, between uh, the years of 2000-2005, the second Antifada uh, occurred, which is known to be even more violent than the first, causing about 1,000 Israeli deaths and about 3,200 Palestinian deaths. Um, and in 2005, uh, is Israel had decided to withdraw from Gaza, which left the Gaza Strip completely under Palestinian rule, uh, in which Hamas gained uh, complete power over the Palestinian people. Um, Israel created a suffocating blockade, which many of you have maybe known about. If you don't know, uh, Israel put up this basically wall, which sounds very familiar if you're um, somebody who watches our show. Uh, it sounds like history repeating itself. They put up this wall that suffocated not only the, the Palestinians, but basically left them in an open-air prison. Uh, unemployment rose by as much as 40%. And then fast forwarding even more uh, to the most recent events. You may be asking yourself, uh, if this has been going on for almost 75 years, why is it that it's so much in the news now? Um, apart from it always being uh, something that you should be aware of, the reason why it's more relevant than ever before is because of the events that took place on October 7th, 2023. On October 7th, uh, the Sunni Islamist group known as Hamas uh, invaded Israel and uh, attacked their civilians. Um, this caused for Israel to declare war within two days on uh, Hamas and therefore started bombarding Hamas and the Palestinians with so many atrocities that this entire episode is probably going to already fill that space. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, leave that off for later. Um, right now, I'm going to get into some questions that I'm sure as somebody who um, is doesn't know a lot about the subject and is maybe listening to this podcast, trying to get educated. Uh, one of the things that uh, I'm sure you're asking yourself is how does a conflict from the other side of the world affect me and affect people on a global scale? Um, well, for those of you who don't know, uh, Israel is backed by the United States. The United States is very much in favor and on the side of uh, the Israeli government. Uh, and But because of that, uh, Hamas is uh, being backed by Iran, uh, along with other militia groups that Iran is funding, um, in order to uh, defend the Palestinian people. And because of that, uh, it's not only are there civilians who are being killed, and that should affect you in just a humane way, um, this could easily cross into other countries 
because Jordan, Lebanon, uh, and a few other countries that are neighboring to Israel are already worried that the conflict may get onto their soil. And if it gets onto their soil, they'll feel compelled to also declare war, um, which would cause nowhere in, in nowhere does anybody ever want war. None of these countries want war. So at any point, if war was to occur, the amount of civilian death that would occur would be in the possible millions. So if you're asking yourself, how does this affect me? Is that it affects everybody because nobody wants to see this. Nobody wants to see a couple of innocent people be killed. Nobody wants to see uh, children be caught in this rubble before they're even old enough to learn their ABCs. Nobody wants to see this. So if you're asking yourself, how does this affect you? Is that it affects you because you are a human. Because you are somebody who can feel empathy for somebody else who is beyond you. That's the easiest way I can place it. Um, but because I know the, the demographic of our show and the demographic of people who listen to us, uh, I want to kind of pay a little bit more towards the ethos uh, of Mexicans. And I wrote this little spiel about how why you specifically as a Mexican-American or as a Mexican should care about uh, what's going on in Palestine. So I wrote this. If you're Mexican and think Palestine and the events surrounding it don't affect you, I'm here to tell you that they do. Not only do we as Mexicans share in similar history with Palestine, with our indigenous populations dealing with ethnic cleansing, but our history as Mexicans includes even more parallels. History has shown us that there has been many territorial conflicts, particularly with the United States in the 19th century. The Mexican-American War between 1846 and 1848 resulted in Mexico losing a significant portion of its territory, including present-day California, Arizona, New Mexico, among many more land. This loss deeply impacted Mexico's territory integrity and sparked long-lasting sentiments of grievance and loss among Mexicans. But even more shocking is some Mexican politicians, like Gerardo Fernandez Norana, have made it a point to say that if we don't stand up for Palestine, that Mexico could be next. We even have retired U.S. Army Colonel government official Douglas McGregor saying, we are about to learn some hard lessons from open borders. Hezbollah and Hamas have very large presence in Mexico. There are a lot of Sunni and Shia Muslims in Mexico, and I've been told that they have cells inside the United States. When they attack, we're going to find out how lethal they are. The reason why I bring up that the fact that the U.S. government official and army and retired army colonel says that is because we already see Republicans and other people in the U.S. government trying to somehow rationalize an invasion of Mexico. And when you really look at that, you see that there's a parallel right there that if a certain government, if a country can annihilate Palestine off the face of the planet while the world watches, who's to say that Mexico won't be next? And that's why it's important that all Mexican or Mexican-Americans call for a ceasefire and do whatever you can to advocate for a free Palestine. Um, that's just a little spiel I wanted to give to everybody out there who specifically watches our show because this very much does relate. Um, I don't know if you I know, Julie or, or Brandon, you guys wanted to say something? Well, I just wanted to jump in and say that I think that parallel, um, specifically between, uh, I guess, indigenous peoples in general, and I think the Mexican-American population in general has, uh, I'd say, a very deep scar that about how, like, um, of what it's like to have a colonial state kind of basically build on top of you and uh, 
kind of try to wipe you off the planet and act like you don't exist. Um, so for me, that's where I've always felt that like there's a very big intersection there. And I think for me also as well, I think um, it should really, because I think with a lot of these problems that happen on the other side of the world, it's very easy to be like, oh, I mean, it's on the other side of the planet. It's people I've never met. It's um, ethnicities that I've also never met. It's cultures that I'm completely uh, unfamiliar with. But when you reduce it down like that, you see that it's it's essentially the same thing and it's just happening in in real time. Um, and I think for me that also emphasizes why um, you should care because if that's something that you feel a deep scar from, um, and that's something we talk a lot about on this show is, you know, rediscovering your indigenous roots and recognizing, you know, the impacts of colonization, then I don't see why you wouldn't be up in arms about what's going on over there because it's play by play, almost the exact same thing. It's just in the modern day. So I'm really happy that you brought that up because I think it's an important point for a lot of people to take in. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, one of the biggest things that we talk about on this show is how uh, there is generations of trauma and it all stems from colonization. It stems from our indigenous ancestors who um, suffered a lot through uh, an invasive force. And I think that if you look at the Palestinian people who have been around for centuries there that's currently going on right now that's not an event that's in the past that's present day and if you can and i'm sure that if you were could go back in time to support and represent and defend our indigenous people and our indigenous ancestry i'm sure you would do the same thing that palestinians are doing now so that's what i mean why i think it's important because i I, i'm someone who i almost sometimes colonization and, and when we speak colonization it saddens me and it makes me angry and it makes me wish that I could have somehow done something mm-hmm. despite it being so far ago, long ago. But now this is happening in present day and there is things that you can do to show your support and to show that you can somehow, some way, you know, and it, it's as simple as just telling people about it, you know. Yeah. Um, but Julie, did uh, you want to say something? Yeah, I feel like um, for sure, I think when I f- with this first was all happening, I I didn't realize it for a while that a lot of it was very much like triggering, even though I know we didn't live through that kind of tragedy of like seeing all of the what is it like ethnic cleansing. Right. Um, but we know the history. Um, and I feel like for me, there was just this sort of thing that the more I read about what was going on, the more it was like slightly triggering. And I didn't like know that. And I think that's why for a good while, um, at least the videos, for sure. I would turn away from yeah, the videos. for sure. Um, I think for sure when, like, they would come up on, like, my timeline, those were the ones that I just couldn't watch. Um, just because of all the gore and for sure, like, it's it's more in your face of, like, what's going on and it's terrible. And, just, and to me, it was just to imagine how that was back then, right, when everything was happening. And it happened in Mexico and it happened here, right? And I think one of the biggest things that I took out from just when Palestinians were being displaced was the fact that like they said that it was a land without people for a people without land. And one of the biggest things was that it was a area where they said that people just didn't exist there. And to me, I just felt like a sort of connection where it was like, cause it says that Palestinians haven't been seen as people like they're disregarded. And I feel like for me as a brown woman, and I feel like a lot of uh, probably like, other you know 
people of color see that, that they aren't seen, that they aren't seen in different industries now, especially. Um, and to me, I think that's the other connection of just not Mexico, but also if you're in the United States, like that's what happened to the native people here, right? Mm-hmm. They, it, they, they claim the land to be like, nobody lived here, so we're going to take it, right? Um, and one of the other things that really, I guess, stood out to me was that I think they say that um, in Israel, they, they celebrate their independence on like May 15th. And then for that, that's theirs. And then for the Palestinians, they don't celebrate that. They celebrate it as the day that they got taken over. And so they have this symbol, which is the key, right? And the key is the symbol of their homes that they hope that, um, that they lost, but that they hope to go back to. And that just reminds me a lot of like, you know, the same thing with like Mexico of when people leave um, and they can't go back. You know, they can't go back to their homes. They can't visit their families. They can't see like their old hometowns and stuff. And to me, there was just a lot of like those connections that I kind of was just like. I I felt so much for them where it was just like, I think I was also in this desperate need of like, what do I do to kind of like help them? Right. Because like we couldn't help our ancestors right we couldn't help them um but i think to what you said like i think this is the current thing now that we can do to kind of give back to that of what happened in the past yeah i agree i think that's one of the things that stuck out to me too is uh, not only the immigration aspect of how uh, people leave their home thinking that they'll come back and then i'm I'm sure you have relatives we have relatives who they can't go back to mexico they can't go back to their home i mean think about that to the extent that palestinians can't go back to their home or there's that fear that you will be killed or that you will die. Mm-hmm. And some immigrants feel that way too. Yeah. You know, um, beyond Mexico, like Salvadorians, Guatemalans, all that, like yeah. Latinos in and of itself know what it's like to be displaced from where you came from. Um, and I, one of the weirdest like intersections that I just like thought to um, is because Palestine is obviously a developing country in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um when I watch those videos of the airstrikes and people running for their lives because of the car bombings or anything else that's happened to them, I can't help but see that it, it reminds me so much of Mexico mm-hmm. from like developing buildings, from uh, people who live in the huts, from people who live in these villages. I can't help but see that this is exactly what I feel like I see when I see, when I go to Mexico in certain places. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like I reiterated in the beginning, you don't have to relate in order to show empathy but in this in this case the relation that i can see to myself makes me want to do even more and i'm sure if more people were aware of just the parallels between our community and their community you would do so much more um but i'm gonna go ahead and uh lend it off to brandon uh and uh he's gonna take it from here um i think one of the things that I wanted to touch on that I feel like um, I find is one of the more difficult concepts to grasp is I feel like when this first started, I guess showing up on my radar, there's a lot of, there's a, a couple terms that I feel like are thrown around that um, I think are, are very misrepresented, are very, very misrepresented or maybe hard, or maybe people just don't even know what they mean. Like the term Zionism or being called a Zionist or, or yeah, being yeah. anti-Zionism mm-hmm. or anti-Semitism. Most people know what anti-Semitism is. Mm-hmm. But I think those terms um, are often very conflated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's very important that people are made aware of what that actually means. 
Um, so to get started, um, what is Zionism? Zionism is a political and nationalistic movement that emerged in the late 19th century, which advocated for the establishment and preservation of a Jewish state. Um, this was generally in response to the like alarming rise of anti-Semitism in the late 19th century and the early 20th century. I mean, we know what happened in World War II. We know that, that anti-Semitism was a real thing. So uh, this was created by uh, Theodore Hertz, and essentially uh, it, they felt that the only way for Jews to escape anti-Semitism in Europe was to build their own state. Um, that was the only way that they could escape prosecution and the only way that they could feel safe. Um, unfortunately, as we know now, they built this state on top of Palestine, um, and the creation of Israel was the outcome of the Zionist uh movement efforts in 1948 um, and then it resulted in the expulsion of over 700,000 Palestinians and the destruction of 400 villages. And um, right now, as we're seeing like right now, we're seeing that the injustices are still uh, continuing. Um, I don't know. I guess for, for that one, I was, I just wanted to know uh, what your opinions on that was like Zionism itself. Mm -hmm. um, so just to reiterate So Zionism is in and of itself That uh, Jewish people Deserve their own Jewish state That's basically what it is right It's essentially the idea that the Jewish people Need to establish their own state It's a nationalist and, pol and political movement They need to establish their own state In order to feel safe In order to escape anti-Semitism uh, I guess like that in of itself Objectively isn't necessarily A bad thing but I think that is because they chose to build it over the what is Palestine, what is still Palestine, mm -hmm. um, I think that's where I find the most trouble with it because sometimes it feels as though Zionism is just like a synonym for like just like uh, eradicating and, and genocide against Palestinians. Yeah. Um, so what's weird is that because I'm not Jewish, but I was I would wonder if I was a Jewish person. Um, would I associate Zionism with the brutalities that have been done to the Palestinian people? Because that's what I think about now. Yeah. I think that, and I think words change over time. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, when somebody says they're Zionist or somebody says Zionism, I see it as a as your pro genocide. Yeah. Like you're somebody who, if you're Zionist, you're somebody who enjoys the annihilation of an entire group. Yeah. Um, and obviously, that's not what it means. But words change meaning. Mm -hmm. And because it's just how it's been demonstrated, yeah, 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 because if Zionism is that Jewish people deserve a state, then that's completely different. But because the state is the state of Palestine, when you support and you say, I'm a Zionist, so I support the eradication of children, of literal children. Because I don't know, if, I don't know well, if we've mentioned this on this episode, but 50%, right? 50% yeah. of the population of Palestinians. Or children, or yeah. people under the age of 18. It's, I think, in Gaza, there is 2 million Palestinians who live there, and half of them are children. Yeah. yeah. So, it, well, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I think uh, another thing that I wanted to point out that I think uh, a lot of people, it's a problematic viewpoint that a lot of people associate Zionism with Judaism. Mm -hmm. Like, people assume if you're Jewish, you're a Zionist. If you're a Zionist, you're a Jew. And that's not true whatsoever. Um, they're, they're not synonymous. Like being a Zionist doesn't mean you're Jewish and being Jewish doesn't mean you're Zionist. Um, in fact, uh, I won't go into too deep, too much detail just because I'm not extremely familiar with the religion, 
but a lot of Orthodox Jews um, find Zionism very problematic. Um, in fact, a lot of Orthodox Jews even argue that um, being a Zionist is ant uh, antithetical to the religion itself. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, uh, Jewish people believe that they can only return to uh, the land of Zion, because Zion is a hill, that's where Zionism comes from, uh, uh, with the return of the Messiah. So uh, it's part of the. So if you if you're kind of like an Orthodox Jew, uh, that idea doesn't really like align with the religion in itself. So I think that's why it's an important like aspect to bring across because I think that's where this kind of thing starts to become problematic. Mm -hmm. um, because the only way, the only way you can be anti, the only way anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism can be can like intersect is if you're not making a distinction between the state of Israel and the people uh, and the Jewish people. Like if you're saying like, Oh, uh, what Israel does is a reflection of what Jews everywhere think that's problematic. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. um, Zionism is against uh, the colonial state. It's again, um, anti-Zionism is, is against the colonial state and it's a criticism of the state of Israel. It has nothing to do with uh, criticizing Jewish people or wishing any malintent on them, or targeting them in any degree. Um, and uh, as we know, I mean, uh, anti-Semitism is just basically targeting Jews. It's discriminating Jews for being Jews. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I felt like this was something that was really important to bring up, because I think when people speak out of, about being anti-Zionism, uh, exactly. anti they get hit with that, well, you're anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. Um, and we see this a lot, like celebrities, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Well, I it was uh, Melissa Barrera. Yeah, she was fired from Scream. Scream, yeah. But she didn't even outright say that she was... Yeah. Uh, she just said that what was going on in Gaza is just basically, like, horrible. And, yeah. like... That's it, crazy. It's, it's, she basically just... She didn't say... She didn't name anyone. She just said Gaza. Yeah. Like, what's happening in Gaza is horrible, basically. Mm -hmm. That's not exactly what she said, but basically that's just the lining of what she mm -hmm. said is like, it's very, it's like ethnic cleansing and it's happening like before our eyes mm -hmm. and like, we shouldn't be like yeah. doing that. Right. That's, that's all she yeah. said. She didn't say, yeah. well, I can look up the exact quote. Yeah. Well, just know. like on a tangent, like that's just insane to me to, because like the more I did research on uh, Palestine and I had known a couple of things before I, we planned to do the episode, but to really deep dive into it, I think for people to lose their jobs in and of itself is is a hundred times more horrid than just whatever somebody just speaking their yeah. mind you know like that's crazy especially because when the person who's speaking their mind is on the empathetic side yeah. of that you know innocent people just shouldn't be killed mm -hmm. to lose your job i i what a what a like to almost dictatorship like um f like oh no i'm not gonna say that but <laughs> I'll hold myself off. Yeah. So this is what she basically said. Gaza is currently being treated like a concentration camp, cornering everyone together with nowhere to go, no electricity, no water. This is genocide and ethnic cleansing. Yeah. Well, That's I mean, because an important thing to know is you brought up the, what's it called? The, the wall. The wall. Yeah. Uh, that allows Israel to control uh, the flow of water, yeah. the flow of food, medical supplies, yeah. uh, electricity, and... Uh, they basically cut it all off. Yeah. Um, and I think they even told a bunch of, uh, they told the Palestinian people to head south, right? Mm -hmm. To avoid airstrikes. But then, because they were going to say they all oh, were airstriking in the in the north, right? Yeah. And uh, Israel went ahead and, and bombed and hit the, south. the south. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that's just absolutely insane and yeah. barbaric. Because I think another thing that um, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a quick tangent, but no, go ahead, go ahead. Um, that surprised me that I didn't know is just how small Gaza is. Mm-hmm. It's only what like 26 miles long and six miles wide. I mean, there's marathons that are about that length. That's yeah. not a very big piece of land. So I think it puts into perspective that these people like have nowhere to go yeah. to like avoid the conflict. Um, I, I also think just to add on with that, because again, like I didn't know anything of the way that they were living there, right? And just to see, yeah, the fact that, like, um, there was, like, facts. It was, like, 78% of water is undrinkable, 62% um, need food assistance, and then they go about 11 hours basically every day with power cuts. So there's, like, 11 hours of the day where they don't have power. Um, And then there was something that I thought was crazy was that they would do, uh, from a video that I saw, which said that they would do mathematical formulas to determine necessary uh, calorie intake for people in Gaza to control how much food they would get or allow in. Um, and I, to me, that was just like the, the biggest craziest thing was because like, not only is it, yeah, the land, but it's also the water. Like the water is also restricted. I think they can only go six, so six yeah, miles into fish, the right? water. Yeah. yeah. To like fish. And it's, it's also the fact that it's also hard to get out of there. Like, it's mm-hmm. the fact that they have to, like, basically either get sponsored by, like, an Israeli. Um, the women have to be, I think, 55 or older to get out, and men have to be 65 or older. And it's, like, if, if the whole, what is it, like, country? Is it country? Yeah. It's country, right? Yeah, yeah. If the whole country is, like, majority Israeli, right, and they've grown up with this idea that, you should fear Palestinians because if you meet a Palestinian, they'll kill you, right? Um, why would anyone want to sponsor one to get out, right? Yeah, um, so that's true. And I just thought that was crazy to, like, learn and see um, that. And I think that's the other part about it is that I guess there's this whole thing that people kind of grew up. And Zionism, again, it came about when, like, you know, things were happening. There was anti-Semitism, um, so for a lot of those people, they kind of grew in that trauma and in that fear of like, we don't want to get attacked again. Right. And I think they kind of just passed that down to everyone else. Yeah. And I think the kids now that are adults kind of still live in that mindset of that trauma of like, oh, if a Palestinian gets out, um, they'll attack me. Right. But the same thing is the other way where like if they want to go back, um, and the reason that it's a lot harder, supposedly, that the reason that it's a lot harder for them to go back to Gaza is because they think that maybe they're like spies or like maybe they're gonna they're planning for an attack and that's why they don't want to let them in anymore. Yeah. And I just thought those things were crazy because it's like there's this whole like. How do you live like that? Like, yeah. It's not life. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just like, again, like Gaza's really small. Right. And it's like to just live in. It's a super populated area, right? And it's, like, to also, like, they control what you get for food. They can control what you get for water, how you travel, and, like, um, how to get to one point to the other. Like, I just think those those things are just, like, the craziest things because it's, like, you're legit just, like, in a box, and that's it. Like, you can't yeah. leave from there. You're not allowed to leave, like, and if you are, you have to get, like, a work permit, anything that, that that is to like get out. Like there's no way to get out from there. And I thought to me that was like the craziest thing of how they live in there. 
No, yeah, I think it like I think you hit the na- the the nail on the head when you compared it to like it's an open air prison. Yeah, like what are these people gonna go? What do they do? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's barbaric, but I mean, yeah, because like, they have no they have no airport and they have no seaport, and they're not allowed to have either of those. Yeah, no, yeah so they're controlled by the land, air, and sea. Like yeah. it's it's like they're stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I it just like that's what like to me when I was doing research, wrapping my mind around that was what stuck with me because I couldn't understand how something like that is even allowed by the United Nations or how the United States can just stand by and accept that. Yeah. How can they How can they just accept 2 million people to be basically prisoners for babies to be born as as basically less than human, as a subhuman? Like, to me, that's what I couldn't wrap my mind around is how that's allowed to just continue to be that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess to go back to the whole thing of, like, people getting criticized, right, for standing with Gaza, right? Yeah. Um, I know that there was the opposite that happened where, like, the guy who did, who had, like, the stickers or whatever. Uh, about, like, oh, 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 what's his name? Noah Schnapp. Noah Schnapp, who plays Will Byers from Stranger Things. Yeah, Zionism where he was, like, sexy. yeah, Zionism is sexy. And then, what did he, I think he said Hamas is ISIS or something. I forgot what the well, other sticker it's was. it's that if you support Palestine, you support terrorism, is what people say. Mm-hmm. And I think, that's why I think these terms are very important for people to know the actual definition about them, because... I think it's really sad because you're weaponizing the word anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. That's a very visceral and very real problem. Yeah. And we see it now. I mean, like celebrities, there, anti-Semitism is on the rise. That's yeah. no mistake. Like, mm-hmm. And that's obviously extremely concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of take advantage, to take advantage yeah. of that and kind of weaponize that yeah. and be like, oh, well, if you're support, if you're supporting uh, Palestine, you're, yeah. an anti- you're an anti-Semite. I think, yeah. yeah, I think for sure that was one of the things that angered me the most, where it was like, if you're supporting Palestine, you're anti like, you're anti-Semitic. And I'm kind of like, I feel like those things don't have a relation, because it's don't. also like, I think to me, it was just like, how can you guys not wrap your head that like, yeah, yeah like, these this happening, but there's innocent people who are just getting attacked. Like, there's innocent people who are dying, and, like, they had nothing to really, like, do with it. And especially the fact that they're kids, yeah. you know? And it's just, like, to me, that was, like, the biggest thing that angered me was that people wanted to excuse it to be, like, oh, you're being anti-Semitic. And yeah. I was just, like, what? Like, that 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 doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. how, is, how is that the same thing as that, well, right? I think, I think too, the, the media and a lot of people in power do a unfortunately good job of making zionism seem like it's the good way to go Mm -hmm. like oh like you don't want to be anti-semitic you're supporting the the betterment of jews and like this and that but um when you really read about what anti-zionism is uh it's it opposes the preservation of a jewish state in historic palestine it's only criticizing how israel is is basically being built on top of palestine Mm -hmm. it calls for equal rights for all of the inhabitants of historic palestine and it rejects the idea of an ethnic and religious, uh, religiously supremacist state in Palestine. It has nothing to do with um, criticizing Jewish people. It has nothing to do with, um, you know, calling out the religion or targeting Jewish people or promoting any uh, racist stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Yes, the two can intersect. But in order for them to intersect, you'd have to say, well, Israel speaks for all Jews and all Jews, you know, believe this. And that's obviously like a very problematic stance to take. You can't like you can't say that. Like that's just yeah. uh I don't know, this is it's just extremely uh problematic to take that that um 
stance. That stance, yeah, because the two are not synonymous. Synonymous, you know. Um, but I think uh, one of the things I also wanted to touch on was because um, you brought it up, right? You you were like, how does the United States like allow this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know you were going to talk about it too. Yeah, bro. and I think uh, I, I I so I wanted to 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 like do some research and kind of educate myself on why the United States is so pro-Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you guys might see this. Like, I mean, there's that, that, that clip that's floating around right now of uh, Joe Biden saying, like, oh, you don't have to be a Jew to be a Zionist. I'm a proud Zionist. That's crazy to me. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy to me. It's a really old video. Yeah, that, that, part, really that part surprised me more. I thought that clip was from, like, last week. That's from, like, when Obama was in office. Uh, so he, so Joe Biden has a long history of, uh, being very Zionist. In fact, there's one even from like the eighties. Yeah. I think there's one even older than when that. he's not even when I think he's just a congressman. What was he in Congress? Is, is Joe Biden Jewish? No, he yeah. says I'm not Jewish and I'm a Zionist. Oh, yeah, he's Catholic. Yeah. Right? He's Catholic. Yeah. Um, so that's very surprising. Um, but I think what I found even more surprising is how everybody across the political spectrum in the United States government is very pro Israel. Um, there's clips of Kamala Harris, Mitch McConnell, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump, uh, John F. Kennedy, these political, uh, quote unquote icons that you would assume are kind of couldn't be further apart in opinion are, are very pro Israel. Um, there's a clip of Donald Trump even saying, uh, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. Uh, and I don't know, I, f- I find that. It's because it's because they were implemented by the British Empire, so I think yeah. they're the closest thing to a Western hand. Well, the, no. that was actually well. I, I, you're, you might get into it, so I don't want to step on your toes. I'll, I'll say it if you don't say it. No, but for sure, like, uh, but the many the the people the what these politicians always cite is that Israel has uh, shared values with the United States, and they always quote democracy, this, this, and genocide. That. Yeah, well, that's their shared value. And the shared value, you, the shared value thing, you can argue is technically true because both. Uh, both states were uh, settler colonial states built on ethnic cleansing and displacement of natives. So they're not lying when they say that they share the same values. Um, that part. What's interesting, or I guess the his- the historical aspect of U.S. support of Israel is that they've supported Israel since the very first day Israel was created. Um, within the first day of Israel being uh, created, the United States was the first country to recognize its existence. And President Truman recognized it within 11 minutes of its creation. Um, so the United States and Israel go way, way, way back. Um, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So the U.S., the United States also, I mean, we know that the U- United States doesn't have the best relationship with Muslims and Muslim countries. So the United States obviously feels that they can't, they don't share any values with those uh, countries. So, um the fact that it feels like an alignment of values with Israel, it kind of makes Israel the only like strategic uh, country for the United States to ally itself with um, in the middle in the Middle East. So this is referred to like uh, countries being uh, strategic partners. And when countries are strategic partners, that means both countries get something out of the relationship. Um, and that relationship started with the Cold War. And I was very surprised to hear that John F. Kennedy was the one who kind of uh, st- uh, really started this relationship. Because during the Cold War, we obviously know that the United States and Russia were kind of in an arms race about, about um, weapons. Yeah, like standoff. Yeah, and that obviously spread to the Middle East. 
And a bunch of uh, Middle Eastern countries were beginning to purchase uh, weapons from the Soviets. Um, and so in response to that, after Israel had kept asking the United States to sell them weapons, John F. Kennedy in 1962 finally relented and, and he, uh, he started selling uh, Israel weapons. And if you know anything about the U.S., it's the most powerful military the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but after they did that, Israel began to offer a bunch of like strategic gains for the U.S., so they could gather intelligence in the Middle East. It's essentially just a very strong advantage to have that in the in in the Middle East for the United States. You know? Yeah, you want to um, hear a not so fun fact that I learned that uh, per capita, if we were to take in uh, uh, like the size of countries, you know, Israel is actually a, right above the United States in terms of how advanced their military is. So I think it's Qatar, Israel, and the United States. So the, uh, I just bring it up because I think it's so insane because I'm like, how can you not empathize with these these people when it, not only is there are the Palestinian people a developing country who have every single right governed, mm-hmm. they're going up against uh, an, an army that's more advanced than the United States, which like you said, mm-hmm. we spend so much of our money in our military. It's insane that Israel itself does that. And I'll go into that more later. No, but. Yeah, but like continuing off that is... Um, uh, is uh, even though because Israel gives the U.S. a lot of strategic advantages, in turn, Israel just gets a bunch of money. In fact, Israel, uh, the United States, since World War II, the United States has given Israel more money than any other country, upwards of two hundred sixty billion dollars. Damn! And the Obama administration um, signed uh, a three point eight billion dollar deal uh, with Israel. So every year, the United States gives Israel three point eight billion dollars for military spending. Um, they used to give them money for for economic growth, but they, that kind of that kind of got axed, and now they just get money specifically for military spending. And like you said, uh, that makes them an extremely advanced military. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Iron Dome. Uh, you've probably heard. That's where that comes from. Like they they get that from it, the United States. It, uh, explain, explain for those of you who are listening or watching. The, the Iron Dome. Is. It's just a. It's basically a, an extremely advanced missile defense system, right? Yeah, it's an anti uh, air defense system. So the the easiest way I can explain it is that any missiles that are flown in, into Israel from either uh, Hamas or any other country. There is an automatic system that will detect that a missile is coming and it will collide with it in midair. So no missile can basically come into Israel. Um, That's how advanced it is. It's called the Iron Dome. Not only that, this is another one that I saw recently. um, That uh, some of the security cameras uh, and the defense systems of Israel actually are starting to use AI to uh, specifically target Palestinians instead of Israelis. So there's no friendly fire. Yeah, isn't that insane? Because it to me it, it it really gives me like 1984 like dictatorship vibes, especially if you were Palestinian who was born in there. Because think about how much of a disadvantage you're put at. Like it, even if you wanted to show some sort of resistance, whether it was a, a peaceful protest or a boycott, the amount of uh, technology that Israel has makes it so even if they if they want to wipe you off the face of the planet, they basically can. Yeah. So I think that's why it's also important to always keep advocating for the ceasefire because yeah. it's it's like if if Israel wants to keep shooting and shooting and, and killing more Palestinians, there's really right now it seems like there's nobody who's really stopping them and they have the firepower to really do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, um, well, just to keep going because I feel like the more I learned, the more I was like, I guess, more and more shocked. 
Is that $3.8 billion that the United States gives to uh, Israel for military spending? It's kind of self-serving. So the caveat that comes with that money is they have to spend it in the U.S. So they, they get $3.8 billion, essentially a blank check for as much as a military they're spending, but they have to buy mili- uh, United States military equipment. Really? They have to go back to the U.S. and buy military equipment. So because the United States is the most powerful military on the planet, they get top-notch stuff. They get the, the latest aircrafts, the, you know, the best missile defense, everything. Um, and like you were saying, how are these people even, like, going up against yeah. that? Like, it's not even close. Um, and what's interesting is that, like, there's little to no uh, conditions applied to this uh, weapons use. So there's this thing, though, that's called Lathe Laws. And essentially, that means that the United States prohibits um, people from using their weapons uh, uh, offensively. You can only use them in self-defense. But that has never been applied to Israel. Um, So basically, they can buy as much as they want whenever they want. There's basically an ever-flowing amount of money for the best weapons ever. And they can use it for whatever they want. That's Uh, crazy. Yeah. And I think uh, some. uh, I was watching this video... um, I should have wrote down the the guy, but he he um, he explained that it's really sad because the United States never basically they're funding this like this is basically they the Israel would not be in this position uh, and this would not be happening if it wasn't for the United States. They have the power, the money. They could use this money to like influence them to influence like to get the ceasefire to be like no, you know, you guys can't do this. Um, they can use this to leverage policy. They can do this, whatever they want, on an international scale. Like you, you talked about, like, how is the UN announced uh, allowing this? It's because the United States, whether you like it or not, is the police of the world. And when the police of the world are... are turning a blind eye. Turning a blind eye, obviously Israel gets to do whatever it wants because it basically has the meanest kid on the block. Yeah. You know, backing them backing up. them up, you know? So it's crazy, bro. Well, it wasn't it also like the United Nations was the reason that oh that yeah the Zionism Brit- kind of like stayed like they yeah. they basically did give away the land. Yeah, they were like uh, the Palestinian land. They were like because when the British was like they couldn't, Peace out. couldn't we can't yeah they, we can't control it. They gave it to the United Nations, and mm. the United Nations was like this is this is their land now. Yeah, no, he's right. Yeah, he. I'm sorry, <laughs> she's right. Yeah. Um, did you know about that? No, I didn't. Yeah, so uh, a history lesson for uh, the area of that was formerly Palestine, now the state of Israel, um, that when they had put up the proposal that this will be the state of Israel, there was obviously a lot of infighting because obviously nobody wants to be, leave their home. The Arabs saw this as more British colonialism, mm-hmm. so they fought back. And uh, after a few years of infighting, Britain, who had full control over Israel and Palestine, post-World War II was like, you know what? The United Nations, you guys exist now. You guys take care of it. So Britain pulled out of Palestine and gave it to the United Nations where the United Nations was like, yeah, this is basically Israel now. Yeah. 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 Jeez. And they officially like just were like, it's yeah. theirs. Mm-hmm. They can have it. Yeah. Well, I guess for me, like, like I said, it's very, it's not surprising, actually, that the United States is essentially behind all this. Yeah. But I think something that I learned that I think um, kind of ties into why the average Joe should care. As I mentioned earlier, that pretty much everybody across the political spectrum is pro-Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Ronald Reagan, 
probably the most Republican. I mean, that's the Republican Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned uh, John F. Kennedy. Again, that's like Democratic Jesus, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And th these guys were both uh, pro-Israel. Even Donald Trump, who's like, people say is the biggest contrarian to ever be in office. He says Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. So to me, that's obviously a red flag when everybody on the political spectrum uh, cares, so agrees for once on yeah. like what on the support for Israel. And so what I found out is that when you're pro-Israel as a politician, uh, it's very advantageous for you. Um, being pro-Israel pulls higher and it's not even close. Like being pro-Israel like is way up here and being pro-Palestine is like way down here. It hasn't been until recently that the gap is kind of closing. But even then, it's really not that close. Mm -hmm. And the biggest reason why it pulls so much higher is because I was surprised to learn this. Evangelical Christians, they make up a quarter of the United States population. And surprisingly, they're extremely pro-Israel. Really? Yeah, Christians are very pro-Israel. I was not expecting that. In yeah, because how does that make sense? Well, does it say why? Yeah, well, the reason that... Uh, that uh, a lot of Christians are pro-Israel is because in the Bible, the Bible we read in the Christian Bible, God promises Abraham that the land of Israel is his land and the land of his descendants. So in the Christian Bible, there's support for that land being uh, belonging to the Jewish people, and there's support for that happening. So when you, I mean, we see this, a lot of evangelical Christians take the Bible at face value. I mean, yeah. I don't even need to explain women's rights or gay rights or anything like that. You see how open arms they are about that. But I was very surprised to see that they were, they cared. Like, I, I don't know. I just always had this connotation that it, that a lot of Christians, because we went to Catholic school, are very like, other religions, I don't care. Yeah. But yeah, they're very pro-Israel. And obviously, uh, making up 25% of the United States population, no politician in their right mind is ever going to like, mm. bounce out that big of a, you know, of a voting group. Yeah. So I don't know that, that, that was just crazy to me. And like, um, what I learned is since, since, since America has supported Israel since day one, the relationship, nobody's ever really questioned it. Like the United, the United States population pretty much never really questioned it whatsoever. It's gone fairly unchallenged, like until now, like, and even saying that it's going challenged now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. is kind of like, yeah, for sure. But yeah. And I think for me, that was kind of like, you, I learned that America essentially ensures that Israel has impunity over Palestine. Uh, they impose no consequences internationally, and they they fund them constantly. And I think for me, that's where I found the biggest uh, why should people like us care? Mm -hmm. Aside from all the wonderful reasons that you guys illustrated, it just goes to show you that like America is the one funding it. Like America yeah. is the one funding it. And the reason they're funding it is because from the political standpoint— and the people in power's viewpoint, the people don't care. So, like, that's why I think awareness and education is so important. Yeah. Because when you do find out, obviously you do care. Like, you're like, wow, this is really barbaric and I'm not with that, you know. Mm -hmm. But from their perspective, everybody's just like, oh, whatever. It's like, who cares? It's across the sea. Like, you know, let's keep our strong bond, you know. Yeah. So that's, for me, the biggest takeaway of why the yeah, average should right. care. Yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, we have a lot of power just being U.S. citizens. Like, we have enough to where you can call your representatives, you could call, you could protest in the street, yeah. you do a lot of things, and the, the U.S. government, because we're under their citizenship, they yeah. we have a lot of say in the matter of what our country and what our officials agree and stand by. Mm -hmm. 
So I think you hit it on the nail on the head. I won't go into it too much, but uh, handing it off to Julie. I mean, I guess you talking about that and like protesting and stuff. Um, the things that I always think about is how the current things, at least that have happened in California, like the the closing of the Bay Bridge up up north, um, and here, and it happened here where they closed the one ten. Um, and I think people may say and like argue that those were. I guess bad moves because you know, like people got to go to work. Mm-hmm. There might be emergencies or whatever. But to me, it 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 got people to talk. Like it got people to kind of see what was going on. Maybe it was finally just to someone when they saw that happening happening that it like it brought you some awareness of like, oh, what is going on that like mm-hmm. kind of caused this to kind of happen. Um, and I feel like for me, I think for sure, protesting is like a good way to help with what's going on in Palestine, right? Um, and to those that can, you know, because there's people who don't want to risk a lot of things. Like, we've learned that, like, because if you get arrested and if you're an immigrant or something, you can't, like, you'll get in trouble, you know? Um, so there's people who, who can't protest and then there's people who can't. Um, and for me, I think that's why when, you, when I see people protest, I feel like that's the, like, a big powerful move as just an individual person. Um, cause I feel like for me, I think doing that is just very high risk, just me as a woman. Um, and I think one of the other ways that I have at least learned to kind of help is what we're doing is using our voice and bringing awareness for sure. Um, I think that's kind of like what my research was. It was kind of just seeing how I can help cause I do feel a little helpless sometimes where I'm kind of like, I can't. I feel like there's a certain thing that I feel like I can't protest and that's just my own fear. And maybe hopefully I can overcome it just so that like there can be some change. Um, And the other things that of course I saw was for sure like boycotting, um, not supporting businesses and stuff. Um, There's a, there was someone who actually invented an app called no thanks app. And basically all you do is you just scan like products um, and it'll tell you whether it helps sustain like the Israeli o- occupation. Um, so there's like different resources and then for sure that like the internet exists, you know, you can Google it, YouTube exists, you guys can watch videos on it. Um, and I guess I was going to go also into a little bit of like the facts that have been going on. Mm-hmm. Um, can I say something just mm-hmm. really quickly about the protests? Yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought that up cause I saw that, uh, obviously they blocked the, the freeway here yeah. and. Um, I remember reading the comments and a lot of people saying that this isn't going to get people behind your movement. It's just going to make people more resent and hate your movement. But I think what people don't understand is that protests aren't meant to be comfortable. Yeah. They're meant to be disordered. They're meant to disrupt your day. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the reason why they, they do that because they know that it's going to get eyeballs and people talking. And yeah, maybe those few people who are there, they may have had a bad day. But in the long run, think about you. Think about that person who's just commenting there. Think about the amount of engagement that gets put up. Mm-hmm. It, I think about it as that if you can do enough to where the world stops, the world at least is listening and watching. Yeah. Even Not everybody maybe is, is for it. Not everybody is going to be mad about it. But that's just yeah. the nature of humans. Not everybody is going to be behind yeah. what you're going for. But I just hate that idea that people think that a protest has to be Oh, this peaceful thing yeah. that's good for everybody. When in reality, when you see people who are being brutalized and dehumanized on the other side of the country, of course, there's going to be extreme measures for people who want to get this message out. 
And yeah. I, I understand that obviously nobody wants to be late to their meetings. Nobody wants to miss like the birth of their child. But I just think that protests in and of itself are that their disorder and their chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there are peaceful protests, but a protest in and of itself is to get people talking. Yeah. So I, I, it's just ironic that people would bring that up because you're falling into what exactly we want you to do. We want people to be angry. Mm-hmm. You want somebody to be upset because yeah. we can we can use that anger and show you like this wouldn't have happened. This protest wouldn't have happened that stopped you from going to work if there weren't things on the other side of the world that were happening itself. Yeah. You get what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I think there was a comment and I wish I had like screenshotted it. Because they turned off the comments on that on that post that I had sent you mm-hmm. when they had shown like pictures about it, um, and I talked about like it's it's a it's an inconvenience for sure, and it's just for that moment. But like these people are going on in a and being attacked for like days. Like this was just like for maybe a couple of hours, but like people are suffering for now for days. This has been happening what since October. Um, and to me, that's, like, something that stood out where it was just, like, that's been happening and then there's been even more history and years of, of suffering that has been happening and kind of, like, this conflict that has been happening between them, right? Um, and this was and the freeway was just, like, a moment, maybe, like, a couple hours, right? But people live in kind of, like, this sort of, like, misery for, like, years, you know? Um, and to me, that was just, like, the biggest thing of, like, they just want to bring awareness. They want to bring attention. And that's, like, the main thing. Like, it's not meant to, like, hurt anyone, right? It's not in, in a bad intent. It's all to just, like, show you guys that this is something serious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. I also think that I uh, just wanted to speak more on um, people who have that mindset of, I'm tired of all the protests. I'm tired of seeing all these pictures. I'm tired of seeing everybody post about it, everybody talk about Palestine. I'm just sick and tired of everybody talking about Palestine. Well, the easiest way to remedy that is to actually support Palestine because the more people support Palestine, the more maybe our country and our politicians will actually do something to stop it. Maybe that that'll help the ceasefire. You know, if you're tired of talking about it, then maybe if everybody got along with it, then it wouldn't be happening to begin with. I just think about that. I just think it's like to me, doesn't the the school of thought doesn't make sense of like people who get upset about the protest are like, oh, they're stopping this. Like, I hate this. I hate that they're doing this. It's like, but it wouldn't be happening if there wasn't literal Palestinians being wiped off the face of the planet. Yeah, I think that that mindset neglects the severity of the issue. I mean, there was a graphic that I think I sent you or you showed me that uh, put Gaza on top of L.A. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think that puts it into a perspective like, I don't know, I, like, I think for me, it's just very much like, this is the kind of thing you learn about in history class. Mm-hmm. And you think, like, oh, how can we have allowed this? Like, how come nobody stepped up and said, did anything? Like, how could this have occurred? Oh, I'm glad that's behind us. I'm glad we would never do that now. That's obviously not true. It's happening right now. And you can see in real time how it's being allowed to happen. Because there's mindsets like that. of Like, why should I care? Yeah. Like, what, what is it? What is it? Uh, what does it benefit me? What does it benefit me to care? And I think, you know, just being like, oh, why are people like talking about it so much? Or why do people care so much? I mean, I think it's very self-explanatory, you know? I mean, people getting wiped off the face of the planet. I mean, uh, the prime minister of Israel talked about how they weren't going to stop until Hamas was wiped off planet Earth. But when you learn about like what Gaza looks like and what they're doing over there, 
It's like, what does that mean? Does that yeah. mean like you mean until Palestine is, is wiped off the place of the earth? Mm-hmm. That's insane to me. Like, uh, and I think it's important that people speak up like, yeah. yeah, you know. And I think it's also just important of like what you guys said, kind of learning the history. Um, like for me, what was again, like how I said, what, the biggest thing was that how they're controlled and how they're living. Right. It's like imagine yourself in like living in like this again, like this box and like they tell you what food, what water you're going to get. And like even power, like the fact that you go hours without power, you know. Um, and to me, I think for sure the other big thing that I kind of wrote down was the fact that like there's kind of like this collective punishment that because Hamas was the one who attacked. Right. That everyone else is is going to get attacked in Gaza. Right. Um, and how we said, like, for the most part, it's two million um, Palestinians live there and half of them are kids um, because 70 percent of the death are women and children of like what's currently going on. Um, and like the death tolls in Gaza is 20,000 and 53,000 of those people have been injured. Um, and again, like there's only two million people and there's two million people who have been displaced from there. Um, and it's also like they can't get out like and to me, I it's just like. Again, like I have always been that like and I feel like everyone should like I don't like war like I just don't like war because it's like to me, war has always just been about it doesn't attack the people who are actually attacking it attacks civilians Um and I think that goes in both ways where it's not just Palestinians who probably are getting attacked. It's also probably Israelis who are like under this attack because everyone is just it's like innocent people are dying. Right. Yeah. And I think to me, that was that has always just been like the thing. And I think what kind of also led to this is that they both were just really they can only result to violence. Like if you're stuck in that, all they can think of is just violence. Because, like, I don't know, it makes me think of, like, even here when sometimes I think about, like, for us, when we feel like we're being treated differently or, like, we're being attacked. Um, And it's the same thing. We say, like, we can do protests, we can do these things, but that's not enough. Like, nobody's hearing, nobody's changing policies, nobody's doing, like, these things for, like, women or for men or for, like, people of color. Like, nothing's happening. And to them, they they were so desperate that they had to attack. Like it was like they had to resort to violence because that was the only way. Yeah. But them them resorting to violence ended up to killing innocent people and civilians. Yeah, and, and I think oh, oh, no. I think uh, one of the things that I find, I guess, problematic is a lot of people bring up. Well, the the, the thing that Noah Schnapp said, right, where, that a lot of people say, and a lot of celebrities have posted that you know will say, "Oh, the support of Palestine is the support of terrorism," and I think for me the biggest issue I have with that is like, I think there's this idea that just because, well, just because Israel has such Western influence and such Western like ideals and military action, Mm -hmm. there's this idea that Western militarization is like the good guy that anything they do for some reason doesn't have a negative connotation, even though comparatively it's like as barbaric, if not 10 times as barbaric, you know, like, telling people to evacuate to to leave ceasefire to leave you know getting striked uh by missiles and then striking where you told them to leave yeah that's monstrous like that's monstrous i think that was the most horrible thing that they're like yeah i mean they bomb oh, hospitals right yeah. you know that's isn't that what is it, that the geneva conventions 
mm-hmm. something like that. I don't yeah. like the, like the, the it's it's uh I don't know. I don't get how people can can say can criticize. Oh, like I feel like for me, you have to have it across the board if you're going to talk about like oh, what's a- unacceptable, what's what's not. Mm-hmm. I get you. Like, how you know? can people criticize uh, uh, Palestinian resistance? But yet, like, be okay with the fact that Israel will openly bomb a, a place that can barely even defend itself. Yeah, and in response, they'll be like, "Oh, we'll just kill kids." Like, what was it that there there's schools that don't even have like a school year because there's no kids to even attend? Like, I don't know. That's yeah. that's just insane and, to and, me. Yeah, and I think this is a good disclaimer too to say what you what you were saying, Julie, is that this isn't an attack on Jewish people because yeah. not every Jewish person lives in Israel. And not every Israeli person is a Zionist, and not and not every Zionist is is Jewish. Yeah, and and, and it's not violent. You know, this isn't a personal attack on them. This isn't us trying to say that these people are bad. It's just that the political power that Israel sh- seems to really show is that they will openly attack innocent civilians mm-hmm. without any remorse. Yeah, and n- there's no way. There's no. Spectrum of morality where you can be okay with accepting that they're just kids. Yeah, I think that's for sure the thing that like I don't know if the word is like mind blows me that when people say that they're like oh again like how they're attacking right or being pro Palestinian because they see them as like evil or whatever. But I'm just like the fact that they're majority it's women and kids who are who are dying and it's like. It's not the extremists, like the extreme yeah, leaders. Right. It's not it's not them that you guys are attacking. And the fact that they say, like, they're not going to stop until they kill all of Hamas. But it's like, how do you know who's who's in who? Like, you're at this point, it I get why they're, like, just shooting. But it's like, you're killing just people. And that's why it's like, it's a genocide. You're killing just, you're going to wipe them off of the face of the earth. And it's like, it's like, how can you stand there and say, like, oh, no, like, it's fine. Or, like ignore what's currently going on when it's like people are dying and it's like we've 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 always talked about how like brandon said like we've heard about this in history and like in books and it's like it's happened right even it even happened to like how it all kind of comes from jewish people right the holocaust like that happened right and there's always been these like wipes and things and it's like how is it that now you kind of don't stand on that side of of being silent against it right being against it yeah yeah I think it's just like I don't know the way I see it is like attacking kids, man. Like it's horrible. Like these kids aren't even old enough to understand what the conflict. I'm 23 and I have a difficult time understanding what the the conflict's about. There's adults who have a very difficult time uh, understanding understanding what the conflict is even about. And to be attacking kids who are like, how are they? How are yeah. they? Even gonna yeah. It almost seems like they're trying to like, all right, we'll get rid of Hamas by get rid of everybody. So yeah. that why, like you know. I, I saw the, I saw this very powerful post by uh, Latinx Parenting that really showed, give me an even deeper perspective and sense of empathy for Palestinian children is that a lot of Palestinian children are being given death certificates before they've even been born. Have you guys seen it? No. no. It's just in, uh, well, just a lot of Palestinian kids who have either, they think that they've already lost them in the bombings or they haven't even been born yet. Um, before they're even being able to get a birth certificate, they're being given death certificates. So it goes to show you how deep it goes. Um, and, and and if that's not enough to show you that some empathy, then I don't know what will. Yeah. And I guess to kind of wrap up everything, unless you guys have something else. 
Um, Again, how I repeated in like the beginning of this, like, I I guess to just help. And if you feel like you can't maybe donate or like anything else or like go to protests, for sure. I think what I would say together from here is just raising awareness and using your voice. Educate Um, yourself. Educate yourself for sure. Educate others. Um, Because again, what we've learned about education is that like for many of us there we haven't had that advantage of also being educated and stuff. And like, especially as brown people, it's always been like, um, a thing that has always been hard for us to gain. And if we can do it on our own, I think that's very powerful to like, you do your own research. Um, and again, I hope this video is very helpful to kind of reach that and kind of be a starter Mm -hmm. to learning a little bit more about what's going on. Um, but that's all I kind of had to say. If you guys have anything else. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, yeah. The biggest, I just hope if anybody's watching this, like, it inspires you to at least look into it more. Yeah. Um, that's all I really want. Because I think from what I learned, uh, it's that public opinion directly affects this situation. I mean, I just outlined how people in power think we don't care. Like, they yeah. think, oh, nobody cares. Like, this isn't a problem that the population really gives a damn about um and i think in my opinion the bare minimum is just being aware raising awareness showing that you do care you know um yeah like that's basically it you know yeah yeah i know in times like this it can seem really hopeless but i i do believe that people don't support something that they don't understand and if you can do that one thing to help somebody else understand then and they can show support then i think you've done a lot Because like Brandon is saying, like Julie is saying, um, if everybody's aware and everybody's upset, um, sooner or later, somebody's going to have to listen because nobody's going to be able to run a country that doesn't listen. Um, And it's also, you know, it's election year next year. So it's more than ever is our government listening to the public opinion. So more than ever does our voice amplify a bit. And I hope that everybody out there could have at least gained something from this episode uh, our hearts go out to everybody out there in Palestine, anybody who's lost an uh, innocent life, who they hold very dearly to them. Um, our hearts are with you. Um, we hope that you guys have an amazing and safe holiday, whatever it is you guys are doing, and you guys enjoy the rest of the year. Um, but this is going to be it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, out of respect for everybody who is involved in that situation, um, we're just going to leave it at that. We just wanted this episode to be about Palestine. Um, And we'll go ahead and see you guys next week. See you.